T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thanks so much for joining us on what has turned into a snowy Saturday afternoon here at News Talk, E3OWCCO, and we will be keeping you up to date on the weather. Right now, light snow falling here at the Riverside Studio in the northern suburbs, and uh, we've had reports of snow around, uh, or light snow falling now around uh, the uh, metro area. And very interesting that uh, there, there's so many people that are excited about um the snow falling, I'm not one of them. Um, I, I would be fine if we got a little snow before Christmas and then it warmed up and it melted and we were on our way to spring. Uh, things have changed a lot in my life, but uh, the, the, there's no question that uh, I uh, I could do without uh, a long winter. And I know there's a lot of snow lovers among us, but uh, I, I am not... Uh, I'm not in that category very much anymore. I I could uh, I could do without. So leave me in. Put, put me put me in that group. Uh, the summer is is number one for me. Uh, speaking of that weather, just a quick rundown of that winter weather advisory. One more time. It's in effect until six on Sunday. Two to four inches expected, and this really runs along the I-94 corridor. If you go from Fergus Falls to Alexandria to St. Cloud to the cities and then follow I-94 over toward uh, Hudson and Menominee and Eau Claire, um, that's kind of the the corridor for the snow and this winter weather advisory. You get further north toward Hinkley and then beyond that up toward Duluth or Brainerd uh, further north. Uh, no winter weather advisory. Southern suburbs of the Twin Cities, for instance, no winter weather advisory. So two to four uh, for the counties and the cities included in that winter weather advisory. And then uh, the snow uh, certainly would taper off the further north you go or the further south you go. And once again, some of the communities now included in this, and they've expanded it north actually uh, recently, so it now does include Brainerd and Hinkley. But uh, Fergus Falls, Brainerd, Hinkley, over toward Rice Lake, St. Cloud, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, particularly the northern suburbs, and then Menominee and Eau Claire, and points south along the Mississippi River now uh, from Red Wing down toward uh, Winona and lacrosse so that gives you the idea two to four roads could become slick so by all means uh certainly 
Take care. Uh, we're going to get into a sports Saturday a little bit later on in the hour. A lot going on. Uh, Timberwolves are in L.A. trying to make it uh, two in a row at Staples Center. They beat the Lakers last night. They get the Clippers tonight. Uh, the Wild are back in Seattle to play the Kraken tonight. Uh, the Vikings are in L.A. They will play the Chargers at SoFi Stadium in Englewood tomorrow. Uh, we'll look at the Purple in an injury-ravaged defense a lot of problems with that defense right now. And we're going to be visiting with Sam Ekstrom from Purple Insider at 335. After 4, we'll go outdoors with Steve Carney. We'll get an update on the state volleyball tournaments, championship Saturday at the Excel Energy Center. And, oh, by the way, regular season finales in college football, including the MIAC in the Northern Sun, a big one, St. John's at Bethel, and it is snowing in Arden Hill, so a lot going on there. But right now, we are going to talk space, and from spaceflightnow.com, uh, Stephen Clark, good enough to join us, and... Always good to visit with you, and uh, thanks so much for time on the program today. Uh, we, we certainly do appreciate it, and uh, it's been a while, Stephen. Yes, it has been a while, but uh, no lack of space news during that time. Yeah, it, there was a bit of a lull, uh, particularly with SpaceX, where uh, they kind of took time off, if you will. There were no Starlink launches uh, as they build their uh, uh Internet constellation in low Earth orbit. Uh, there, there weren't any crew dragon launches for a while, and things were quiet down in Texas at uh, uh, where, where, where they're building Starship. Well, that's changed a lot. We had a crew come home uh, on a dragon capsule from the International Space Station. Uh, we had uh, a launch of a crew. We had uh, a Starlink launch early this morning. And they had a test firing down in Texas. So SpaceX has been very busy lately. Yeah, it certainly feels like they've crammed a month's worth of news into the last <laughs> week. And uh, as you mentioned, teams both in Texas and in Florida have been quite busy uh, testing and launching and landing space vehicles. And uh, most recently, we just had the launch this morning, you mentioned, of uh, uh, 53 more Starlink satellites. And uh there had been sort of a lull at Starlink launches since uh, late spring as SpaceX kind of perfected a new generation, a new iteration of Starlink satellites. They've been working on developing some lasers that kind of that connect the satellites to each other in orbit. And uh, these lasers pass Internet traffic from satellite to satellite. Uh, and so they've spent the last few months fine-tuning that, developing that, making sure it was ready to go, and then my understanding is they're going to be launching Starlink satellites with a vengeance over the next few months, um, every few weeks, uh, kind of going back to the pace we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, and they, they certainly want to get uh, that system up and running and start adding customers at a rapid rate because, as Elon Musk has said, uh, that that could be the engine that, that funds bigger and, and bolder initiatives in space ultimately. Exactly, and the, there's a lot more money to be made economically from selling internet and broadband uh, connectivity around the world than there are launching satellites because not everybody can afford a satellite, but <laughs> most, many, at least people can afford uh, internet. And uh, so his aim is to use uh, revenue from Starlink over the next few years and uh, pour that into the Starship program, which is his 
giant rocket, Elon Musk's giant rocket, to uh, send uh, people to the moon and eventually to Mars. Stephen Clark joining us from spaceflightnow.com. Uh, so that's Starlink. And by the way, I, I want to send people to the website, spaceflightnow.com. Really a cool image of this early launch through the fog. And th- th- that is a phenomenal photo. Yes, yes. Uh, SpaceX's photographer uh, is very talented and he happened to be in the perfect place at the perfect time on top of the vehicle assembly building, which your listeners may know is the iconic uh, Apollo-era structure at Kennedy Space Center where they built the Saturn V rocket. And getting on top of that 50 stories above the ground gets you above the fog. So it was a spectacular view up there. I was nearby, uh, just actually a mile away on the surface, so we didn't actually were unable to see the launch until it cleared the fog, but it was still a beautiful sight. Yeah, it is a great photo. And once again, the website spaceflightnow.com. Uh, Stephen Clark, good enough to join us, and let's let's get into what what happened with with the crew train change out. They brought a crew home on a Dragon capsule. Everything went well, and then they launched a new crew uh, on a separate Falcon Nine rocket and another capsule, and everything's going smoothly. And it's never routine. Space flight isn't routine, but uh, SpaceX got pretty good at this. Yeah, they certainly have. They uh, landed the crew from the space station on Monday night and then launched the new crew Wednesday night about 48 hours later, which was the shortest turnaround time between the splashdown and the launch of a crew in U.S. space history. And uh, this new, this out, uh, outgoing crew that landed Monday night has been up there six months, and uh, the new crew that just went up will be up there until late April next year for nearly six months as well joining uh, two Russian cosmonauts at the space station and a NASA astronaut who was already up there. Yeah, and, and Stephen, we, we should spend a little more time on the hardware here. Uh, as Boeing continues to struggle with Starliner, and they they haven't been able to get their capsule on a demonstration flight, uh, an uncrewed demonstration flight to the International Space Station, we, we don't know when that'll happen. Uh, SpaceX is proven hardware here the falcon 9 rocket the reusable first stage uh the the dragon capsule itself uh is performing beautifully by all accounts right uh spacex has uh chalked up more than 100 straight successful falcon 9 launches and every crew mission so far has been flawless by all accounts uh even not even any issue really to discuss with any of the missions so far up to the space station and, uh, yeah, SpaceX is the only game in town right now for U.S. human spaceflight capability to get astronauts up to the space station. And uh, you mentioned Boeing is struggling. Uh, they've been struggling for a few years now, and they're probably a, a year away, uh, to be honest, at least, uh, before they're able to launch astronauts because they still need to complete their test flight before they're uh, certified to carry astronauts. Yeah, and, and Stephen, it's it's really gotten to the point, even with some of the publicity stunts by, say, Virgin Galactic and uh, their suborbital flight and Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin and um, a, a couple of suborbital flights that have garnered headlines and interviews William Shatner on the last flight. 
um, the real work is being done by SpaceX. And, and when we visit, we focus on that because w- what they are doing is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. It, it, it's just not even really a race at this point. Reusing the first stages, the, the robust capabilities of the Dragon capsule has been demonstrated over and over. R- right now, they, they, they are number one. Second place isn't close yeah, second place is probably the entire country of China. Yeah, yeah, and and that that is re- really extraordinary. But but you talk to people in the industry and observers all the time. Is that the sense you get from from your colleagues that that follow this day in and day out? That that right now SpaceX is so far ahead of everyone else, it, it, it could take years and years to catch up. Even for that matter, NASA in their space launch system, uh, delay after delay, it's not reusable. Uh, it's very expensive. Uh, SpaceX is really the only game in town. Certainly, and uh, they're a trusted provider now by both NASA and the uh, U.S. Department of Defense. The military has entrusted them with some of their most sensitive satellites, satellites that used to only be launched by a company called United Launch Alliance, which is a joint venture between Boeing and Lockheed Martin. Uh, Those satellites are not going to be launching on SpaceX's Falcon Heavy uh, over the next decade, and yeah, yeah, they are the only game in town, really, because there's no other company that matches their capability, either in lift capability or rate of launch, cadence of launch, and, and perhaps most importantly, reliability and cost. Yeah, and, and cost being a gigantic factor. I want to take a quick break and, and come back and talk about Starship down in Boca Chica, Texas, on the Gulf Coast, because um, just as SpaceX uh, is taking a huge lead in, in this launch market with, with Falcon 9 sending crew and and cargo, if you will, and then, of course, heavy, as you talked about, in some of the military payloads, Starship could be uh, another game changer, and we're, we're getting close to a hist- potentially a historic launch down there, and we'll get Stephen's thoughts on that in a moment here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. We are talking space flight. Now, with Stephen Clark from SpaceFlightNow.com, and a lot going on with SpaceX. We'll continue the focus there, this time down in Texas, Boca Chica, and they're building uh, the Starship and uh, the Super Heavy Booster. And, uh, Stephen, uh, in this huge week for SpaceX with all the launches, crew coming home, crew headed back to the International Space Station, a Starlink launch, a test firing, of Starship, and we could be getting close to a historic launch. And history for a couple of reasons, um, and and this could be a, really a game changer ultimately, and that's the Elon Musk goal is to uh, create a huge system that really will make exploration of the solar system a reality. Yeah, and the, the rocket is called the Starship. But the original name a few years ago was the Interplanetary Transportation System, and that's kind of what his vision still is for the Starship system. It's a giant 400-foot-tall rocket, fully reusable. The entire rocket will be fully reusable, whereas the Falcon 9 uh, is partially reusable. Only the booster is reusable. Um, however, no other c- country or, or company is doing that either. 
But uh, the Starship, uh, the Super Heavy Booster stage, the first stage, will have 29 engines in its earliest uh, design, uh, and then it will produce about 15 million pounds of thrust, which is uh, nearly double the thrust that the uh, Saturn V rocket put out during the Apollo moon launches back in the 60s and 70s. And like I said, this rocket's fully reusable. He's aiming eventually for uh, you know daily launches of these rockets to carry massive amounts of cargo and you know lots of people up into orbit. And his eventual uh, concept is to refuel it in space. And then at that point, uh, the engines of the Starship, the upper part of the rocket, can fire off to the moon, uh, Mars, or more distant destinations and carry a hundred tons of cargo emission. Yeah, and the, the the size of this system is is ultimately what it's going to take to realistically build a base on the moon or or go to Mars because you're going to have to take a lot of stuff with you. Um, there's there's just no question you're going to need to get a lot of stuff up there: water, fuel, food, um, shielding. It, it's it's going to take a lot. And what's exciting about this? That this first prototype could actually go on an orbital flight fairly soon. Yes, um, uh, SpaceX is uh, Elon Musk. According to Elon Musk, SpaceX is on a pace to launch this thing by the end of the year. Um, you know, of course, technically things could uh, affect that, and also there is an environmental review under uh, process by the Federal Aviation Administration to uh, approve. Uh, SpaceX to conduct the Spar- uh, Starship launches from South Texas, and if, you, if you're asking, well, haven't they launched it before? Well, so far they've launched only the upper half of the stack, with, which has six engines, and uh, the mission we're talking about now, the orbital flight, will require the full rocket, 400 feet tall and 29 engines on the first stage. So it's a different, uh, you know, different league in terms of power and thrust. So the FAA is taking a look at about about uh, at how that will impact both the natural environment around the launch site and also the communities nearby. And uh, my guess is the FAA will, will approve it, but they're uh, they're you know they're taking their time to do that review. And uh, it's really anyone's guess of when that review will be completed. Perhaps not until next year, but uh, you know SpaceX has taken the time while the reviews underway to prepare the Starship for this flight to be ready to go when the review is complete. And you mentioned up front uh, in an earlier segment that the test firing and the static fire of the Starship was just completed yesterday, I think, in South Texas. And that's a big milestone to prepare for this flight. Yeah, and that that uh, particular part, the the actual piece, Starship, that'll go into orbit, that, that'll have six engines. And this, this will be a sight to behold. You know, I didn't have the ability and and was just a kid when they were launching Saturn fives, a very young child when they were launching Saturn fives to, to, to be uh, along the Texas Gulf coast and see this thing launch would be something, wouldn't it? I can only imagine because I never saw a Saturn five rocket. I didn't see a a few space shuttle launches and I've seen uh, all three of SpaceX's Falcon heavy launches. Uh, Space shuttle and Falcon heavy are roughly the same amount of thrust. Uh, the Starship at launch will be three times that. Yeah, so so it really be. I, I saw one shuttle launch in person um, at uh, Kennedy Space Center, and that was pretty insane. I just can't imagine what this will be like. And uh, 
uh, we'll, we'll find out, but we, it, it isn't scheduled. We just don't know. And as you pointed out, waiting for FAA clearance. And I would assume they would be, they would be ready to fly shortly after they get the okie doke. I think that's what the goal is. That's what SpaceX is trying to do. So we're seeing them, um, yeah. you know, not really rushing into the flight. We're seeing them take their time with these test firings. In fact, they may test fire the rocket again to Starship again at some point to make sure they have all their I's dotted and T's crossed. And then they will test fire uh, that big rocket, the super heavy, the, the first stage booster section with 29 engines at some point before they launch. That's still to come. And that will be, just the test firing of that rocket will be something to see for sure. Yeah, and Stephen, before we let you go, in a, in a final thought, we're a long way from humans flying on this system. These will be yes. uncrewed flights. It'll, it'll launch. It'll go into orbit. Uh, Starship will ultimately do a soft landing near Hawaii. The super heavy booster, I understand, will do a soft landing in the Gulf of Mexico off the coast and not actually come back to land or they're not even going to attempt to land uh, on a barge or anything. Yeah, I think I think this first test flight is just to see if the rocket can get into orbit. And then uh, sort of like the way they tested the Falcon 9, they launched, uh, I can't remember exactly, uh, a couple of dozen Falcon 9 flights before they actually successfully landed one. And it may be the same case with Starship. Uh, they may do several launches or, or multiple launches before they actually nail the landing. And like you said, uh, launching people, that's a whole different league. And, uh, you know, I would say they're going to need many dozens of Starship flights, successful Starship flights before they carry people. And that could, you know, very easily be several years, uh, even on the low end, uh, before we see that. All right. Well, Stephen, always good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. I know it's been a very busy week for you and uh, the website uh, spaceflightnow.com. Take care. You too. Thank you. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll have an update on the weather. There is a winter weather advisory, two to four on the way for the Twin Cities. A little light snow falling here in the northern suburbs of the Twin Cities. And then we'll talk Vikings. They head for L.A. and a date with the Chargers tomorrow. And the Vikings very shorthanded on defense. We'll have a rundown with Sam Ekstrom from Purple Insider here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. Wilder in Seattle tonight. Timberwolves are in L.A. for their second straight game at Staples. They blew out the Lakers last night. They're already 0-2 against the Clippers this season, and they will play the clip tonight in downtown Los Angeles, and you'll hear it here beginning at 9 o'clock tonight. And the Minnesota Vikings will be in L.A. They'll be in Inglewood at uh, that brand-new uh, multi-billion dollar stadium so far tomorrow and take on uh, the Chargers, the Vikes. The game opened, Vikes three-point underdogs, it's now three and a half for what it's worth. But look at the injury report on defense. Pierce, Hunter, Barr, Smith, Peterson won't play. And if you had to say who were uh, five of their most important players on defense, you'd probably say Pierce, Hunter, Barr, Smith, Peterson, and then you'd add Kendricks to the mix, uh, but those guys are all out tomorrow. It's going to be a challenge for sure on the road, and Sam Ekstrom joins us from Purple Insider. And, Sam, you can't make it up. You look at that injury report. It, it's amazing. Or COVID report, whatever. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's Mike Zimmer's worst nightmare. Huh. That's for sure. Uh, 
sorry, Steve, there's a little bit of an echo that I'm hearing in my ear. I don't know if you can fix that on your, on your end, but I'll just keep talking here. There's um, a, a tremendous amount of talent that's not going to be playing tomorrow. Um, and this is not the defense that they, you know, drew up on paper when the season started. Um, it's, it, it's pretty unbelievable all they've lost. And it resembles what happened in 2020, where, you know, there was just a slow atrophy of that defense that, you know, led to them kind of being embarrassed for the end of that year. Yeah, no, we, we apologize for the echo, but everything sounds fine uh, on your end, Sam. And it, you bring up a great point about a year ago on how the, how the season just spiraled out of control and the defense was just so undermanned that, you know, they, they really didn't have a chance week in and week out. And to this point in the season, in a in a disappointing three and and five season for the Minnesota Vikings going to L.A. to play the Chargers, it seems as though whatever could go wrong has gone wrong for this team. A lot of close games, a lot of heartbreaking defeats. You think of the Cowboys, uh, the situation in Baltimore. It, it, you just really can't make it up for this team this year. No, you look at what's happened to them after the bye. You know, it's a terrible loss against Dallas. It's a terrible loss against Baltimore of the heartbreaking variety. And then you've got this COVID breakout. You've got a player in the hospital. You've got the Dalvin Cook situation, which caused a lot of distractions this week. And then you've got all these injuries that we've already alluded to. It's Murphy's Law coming up for the Vikings right now. And, you know, now they've got, what, a couple more weeks where they can maybe right the ship and get this thing back on track. But they are teetering on the edge of a lost season here. Tough game against L.A., tough game against Green Bay. And, I mean, morale, at least from the outside looking in, would have to be at an all-time low. Yeah, we've got to bring up the Dakota Dozier situation. Reports are that he is getting better, but nevertheless, very scary indeed. Yeah, extremely. And Mike Zimmer said that there was improvement on that front on Friday. He didn't give us a ton of detail. Um and, you know, in fact, I don't know if he was ever authorized to, to mention who that player was, but there was reporting that, you know, came out after the fact that identified Dozier. And um, that that's a terrifying situation, you know, for someone to wind up in that spot. Uh, someone, you know, who was vaccinated as well, that, that's, that's, you know, sobering. So to have six guys that have now tested positive, and I think all of them are still going through the protocols, that tells you that, you know, these guys are, are, you know, actually sick. There weren't any asymptomatics there. So uh, they were on extra precautions this week to make sure that thing didn't spread anymore. It seemed like they had kind of uh, nipped it. And then Kenny Willickis comes up yesterday. So now they're going to be sweating. You know, when Sunday comes up, they're going to have to test that morning and hope they don't lose any last-second starters like they did with Harrison Smith last Sunday. Yeah, and this – whole COVID situation is not new. This controversy has been around since the very early stages of camp, and they've been dealing with it, and and there's been an undercurrent there for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it, and it was dormant for a while. I don't think it was a huge um, factor for this team, you know, since the the quarterback deal back in August where they lost their entire quarterback room and Kirk Cousins had his infamous press conference. 
they had a couple positives pop up here and there. A couple of cornerbacks were hit, but they didn't have anything resembling an outbreak. And they really never had anything this serious last year either when there wasn't a vaccine and everybody was sort of vulnerable to it. Um, the Vikings were pretty good at avoiding anything like this. This is the most serious situation they've had. And when you see it in several different position groups, linebacker, offensive line, defensive line, uh, the safety position, there's always a fear that it's going to spread amongst those players and, you know, thin you down to where you're calling on practice squad guys to come fill in. And I think the Vikings probably can't consider themselves out of the woods until they get three, four days without any positive tests. Sam Angstrom joining us, Purple Insider Vikes, Chargers tomorrow. Chargers at the moment favored by three and a half. This is a big challenge, part of a very uh, challenging portion of the schedule. Out of the bye, Cowboys at home, on the road at Baltimore now. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, you mentioned Green Bay. They still have to go back to the West Coast and take on San Francisco. But let's get into some of the X's and O's in this one. We already know uh the, the number of uh, players that won't be available defensively taking on a pretty darn good young quarterback for the Chargers. Yeah, Herbert's the real deal. Super strong arm. They made an excellent selection with him last year, and I think I was skeptical that he'd be able to continue his success with a new coach and sort of a new system, but they've surrounded him with a brilliant young mind in Brandon Staley, and a lot of people have taken to him he seems to be one of the more popular coaches right now of, of those first-year guys. And having success, something that even though Herbert was putting up monster numbers last year, they weren't winning games. This year they're winning games. Uh, they're coming off a victory against the Eagles, and they're 5-3. and three. They're vying for playoff position in the AFC after you know several years, um, even you know, with Phillip Rivers, where they were floundering and they weren't really doing much in that conference in a, a pretty tough division. Uh, they're, they're contenders in the AFC, and they've got some weapons with Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. And uh, you, you might recognize their right tackle, Storm Norton. He was a Vikings practice squad body for several years, and now he's starting in Los Angeles. So big challenge there. And then the Vikings offensively. Um, terrific opening drives in general, and then just stagnation at times. Um at three and five, are, are they going to change your game plan or approach? Because there's there's a theory here that maybe what the reason they're try, being so conservative is they're trying to protect the defense. And based on that list I ran down, may not be a bad strategy because when you do air it out, chances are you're going to pile up turnovers. Yeah, I, I think this team is still, you know, suffering from a lack of trust in Kirk Cousins, not wanting to give him, um, you know, too much freedom in that offense. And I think it's a mistake. I think Kirk has done this long enough that he's able to air it out without making too many bad throws. And he's never been a very turnover-prone quarterback. So I don't know why there's this fear that if they decide to sort of loosen the reins on him, that he's suddenly going to go rogue and, and turn the ball over at an astounding rate. Clearly what they're doing isn't working, but when you ask if they're going to change their approach, Mike Zimmer said this week, we're just going to keep doing the things we do and try to execute them better. He's not going to throw out the playbook. He's not going to make any drastic changes. They're just trying to tweak what this offense does. I think that Clint Kubiak is certainly culpable for, for all that's going on. He's um, obviously – 
encountering those first year play calling growing pains and maybe doesn't know how to make adjustments in game. Maybe when he has to improvise after that game opening script, things get a little bit hairy for him when he gets thrown off and they have, you know, face second and long, third and long. Um, and I think Cousins has been tentative too. I think it's a, a convergence of things, but there's no reason why their main weapons on offense, Thielen and Jefferson, shouldn't be getting more targets than they have the last two weeks. Well, Sam, uh, they're all big now for the Vikings. If they have any shred of hope getting to the postseason, they got to find a way to win one on the West Coast. Why not tomorrow against the Chargers in that late TV window? Always good to visit with you. Uh, how, how do people find your work and uh, your colleagues, Matthew Collar and others at Purple Insider? Yeah, purpleinsider.com. They can just follow the links there to subscribe uh, for just 7 bucks a month or uh, $64 a year. You get daily content straight to your inbox, and you can get the free podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, just search Purple Insider Podcast. Outstanding. Always good to visit with you, Sam. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. All right, there he is, Sam Angstrom, Purple Insider, joining us here. Vikes! And Chargers from L.A. tomorrow afternoon. Of course, Sam Owens, the voice of St. Thomas men's hockey. Uh, good guy, hard worker. Uh, quick break. We're going to come back. A huge game in the MIAC, St. John's at Bethel. What a finish. We'll have that and some scores for you before the news and weather at 4. Don't forget a winter weather advisory in effect until 6 a.m. 2 to 4, particularly uh, from the heart of the Twin Cities, north and west and the east in Wisconsin. Uh, that I-94 corridor is, and, and north of there is where we'll see most of the snow. Here at News Talk, E3O, WCCO. Championship week in the MIAC today, final week of the regular season. MIAC, Northern Sun, WIAC. We'll level the scores game reports later on. Big showdown today, St. John's and Bethel, the division champs this year. By the way, St. John's beat Bethel in Collegeville early in the season. They get a rematch in Arden Hills today. Bethel led most of the way. They got off to a quick start. St. John's scores a touchdown to tie with one second remaining in the game in the snow on Arden Hills. They kick the extra point and win 29-28. St. John's is uh, your champion and will get the automatic bid to the NCAA Division III tournament. And Bethel with two losses to St. John's squarely on the bubble. We'll have more on that later on. Pat Coleman will join us. From D3Football.com, can Bethel uh, still get one of the at-large bids into the NCAA tournament? We'll wait for that. Uh, UW-Whitewater, of course, on their way to becoming the WIAC champion, would get the automatic bid there. But you would think the runner-up in that conference, UW-Lacrosse, would get an at-large bid. So we'll see on Bethel. Uh, by the way, Gustavus beat Concordia 39-7 to to close out the regular season. And we'll have all the scores and game reports coming up later on in the afternoon. We'll check the Big Ten, the Top 25. And uh, following the news and weather, uh, we'll go outdoors with Steve Carney next. Here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.